Broadway for Tuesday, January 29th, 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway Star's James Marino. James, uh, I want to start today because I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because after we record, Jennifer McHugh and I are going to record for the first time together in like 10 months. Uh, so have a little bit of a Sound Like It Pop reunion. Um, so I just want to give a, that'll air probably later today, if not sometime tomorrow. But I do want to give you a little bit of news from Rent. Um as of now, you can stream the entire broadcast. If you missed it, especially if you were in New York and had there were some cable issues in New York, mm-hmm. um, you can stream the entire thing. Also, on both Rent on Fox's social media and on Fox's YouTube, you can get a handful of the concert versions of some of the songs that were done live in the studio. Uh, I, to say that they were superior to what actually aired on the network in some cases would be an understatement. Um, so far, as of right now, they've got um, it looks like Out Tonight, Seasons of Love, Over the Moon and the All Cover You Reprise. Um, some of them are fantastic and vast improvements over what aired. Um, I have heard rumor that. The when they finally release a Blu-ray DVD of this, the entire concert performance or all of the performances will be on that DVD slash Blu-ray. What you're going to get on YouTube right now are not the full performances, but kind of parts of each performance. Um, the ratings that were released last night, James, were the quick overnight ratings um, from meet, specific metered markets. It was the lowest of all of the live musicals since uh, uh, The Sound of Music. But that's to be expected because this was not a family musical. I think Fox kind of expected that while it did have that bad overall number it actually was a really good number for people under the age of 50 and so it it was not as good as they probably would have liked and i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it was not airing live but it was still probably a success in one way or another so if you hear people talking about oh it's the end of the live musical because these ratings are so bad take that with a grain of salt considering this was not the sound of music or grease or the whiz or something that appeals to family audiences. And then one last thing before we move on to the rest of the news, James, apparently this was reported right as rent was starting that Fox is actually in the process of trying to find artists to help them create an original jukebox musical for its next live show. Uh, No word as to who those artists will be, but they want to, to quote, create our own IP and have some ownership, according to Fox Entertainment President Michael Thorne. So uh, they're basically stepping on Broadway's game and doing everything as a jukebox musical now. <laughs> um, back to the ratings for a second. Um, did the, Those are Nielsen ratings, right? Or are they? Correct. Yes. Nielsen ratings. So do they take into account the Fox stream? the live stream that Fox did or, and, and shouldn't these, um, especially going under, going after the under 50 market, shouldn't they be looking at, you know, doing, uh, YouTube live or Facebook live or some other uh, (laughs) streaming through Snapchat? I mean, yeah. And, and also things that are DVR'd and watch later. Um, not all of those platforms will be included in, um, in the Nielsen ratings, things like uh, YouTube obviously won't be, um, Fox.com will not be, but things that are through the cable company on-demand viewings, yeah. um, Live Plus 2, Live Plus 7, those will be factored into the Nielsen ratings at some point. Um, but again, Fox will have access to all of those other numbers because it's their property. Um, so they'll know how many people watched on those other things, which will incentivize them or it'll give them the information they need to have to determine if they're going to continue to do this 
in the future. I firmly believe that Fox will continue to be doing live events like this now that they're calling it New Fox since the separation of 20th Century Fox. The, the plan for New Fox is to focus on sporting events reality shows and live events uh, of whatever that might be. And this this is where their idea to create their own IP and uh, intellectual property and have some ownership of things comes into play. This is the new game plan for Fox. Now, while I don't expect them to have a live musical every month because there's really just not a, a lot of musicals that I think would make sense, I do see this being a cornerstone of new Fox's programming because of how they want to take this network into the future and kind of spinning away from what all of the other networks are doing. Uh, something just occurred to me. Um, uh, last night's broadcast, um, Sunday night's broadcast uh, by Fox, that that was just U.S. only or did, did it, was there any international outlets? Um, not that I was, I'm aware of. I'm sure Canada had some access to it. I, I think Fox um, is available there too, maybe. But that's where things like uh, YouTube and, and other things would be able to get it. But I did not, because a lot of times for the Tonys, we'll hear things like, oh, it's going to be broadcast on these networks in all these countries. I did not hear anything about that um, for Fox. But Fox is a multinational corporation, so I wouldn't be surprised if there were some sort of Fox equivalent channels in other countries where it did air. Yeah, our friends in Australia, London, uh, China, Japan, uh, South Korea. I mean, I, I'm, you know, rent is a, a global product. Um, totally. I'd be interested to see if um, if you're a listener and you're outside the United States, let us know uh, if you're able to uh, see it or not. All right. First up in the news, Jagged Little Pill announces its Broadway plans. Well, Kind of. Sort they announced, of, yeah. mm -hmm. they announced plans for Broadway. Um, they yesterday... announced a plan to plan for Broadway. Yes, exactly. I think this might be one of those cases where they have plans. They're just not saying it yet, but we'll get to that. Um, uh, yeah, so the Atlantis Morissette jukebox musical has confirmed that it intends to make its Broadway bow this fall. The theater and cast will be announced at a later date, but a lot of the cast members from the ART production in Cambridge last year were actively excited on social media yesterday. Uh, so that's worth taking note, especially because pretty much all of them were involved in the recent lab uh, that was done uh, in in the fall to get ready for the next production. At that point, we kind of thought they might be going off Broadway before Broadway, but it seems like they are going to make the jump to the Great White Way directly. Directed by Diane Paulus, the show features a book by Oscar winner Diablo Cody, and the score is predominantly from Morissette's career catalog, but she did write new material with Glenn Ballard, who is a six-time Grammy winner, um, and Alanis Morissette's a seven-time winner, or vice versa. There's, they've got 13 combined. Um, but a couple things I want to talk about, James. Um, let's talk to you about the theaters here in a minute, but before we get to that, one, Adina Menzel, you might have heard of her. Um, she was one of the soloists at the had a small part in Rent Live last night, you might have seen. Um, she was involved with the development of this show all the way up until it went to the American Repertory Theater um, in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Um, but then she had to bow out because she had to film or do the voice work for a movie called Frozen 2. At that point, Elizabeth Stanley played the role in Boston. Um, of course, if this show is coming directly to Broadway, I would imagine that they are going to want somebody other than Alanis Morissette to sell tickets to this. Now, I have no inside information as to whether or not Adina Menzel will be coming back to play the mother role in this show. But she basically carried If Then 
um, throughout her entire run. And the only reason it really sold tickets was because of her, um, with all due respect to Jackie Burns, I think, who took over for her and then did the tour after Adina left the tour. I, I, I struggle to see this one having the kind of life of even summer. Uh, the Donna Summer musical, uh, if it doesn't have a star in it. So I don't know that Adina Menzel is coming back, but I would keep an eye on that for when they do eventually announce their cast. Then, in terms of, of, of stages, James, I am starting to think there might be two different locations that we could see this in. The original thought was that the Weislers might be getting involved with Jagged Little Pill. They were not part of the released... Um, press release in terms of producers of this. At that point, we thought the Jagged Little Pill might be coming in in the spring to follow up when Waitress might have been closing at the end of Sarah Bareilles and Gavin Creel's run, which would have been in a week. So we thought they might be coming in in March or April. That obviously is not happening at this point. However, if Waitress runs through and decides to close around Labor Day, we could see this going in to the Brooks Atkinson. The other theater that I think it we might want to watch for is I've already gone on record to say that I think that Anastasia is going to close around the Tony eligibility deadline after um, spring breaks are over, making room for Frankie and June at the Florida Lee or at the Claire de Lune or whatever it is. <laughs> I can't remember something French. We know I don't like French. Um, so, that Michael Shannon and Audra McDonald can go into the Broadhurst. I would not be surprised if then Jagged Little Pill went into the Broadhurst after that. It is a medium-ish sized musical house. It's uh, under 1,200 seats, so it's it's a little bigger than I think they probably would have liked uh, at first, but it's not the Majestic or the Lyric or the Lafontaine or the Gershwin or anything like those huge houses. So I would not be surprised if we saw it at either the Brooks or the Broadhurst come this fall, depending on if those longer running musicals end up closing. So let's go back uh, a little bit earlier. Director of Jagged Little Pill is... Diane Paulus, who was also the director of Waitress. So uh, that's and... why... The... And Hair Live. Hair Live, which is... On NBC. Coming in... when? <laughs> uh, April, I think. April May, or May? May 13th. May? Okay. So, I, you know, it sort of makes sense that these spots in her calendar, yes. uh, why this is hap falling the way it does if if we want to, you know, read the tea leaves. Um, so, uh, Hair Live. Uh, one of the things we didn't talk about, Rent, was the, the editing of certain words in Rent. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, I wonder how much editing Hair will do. A lot. They've already they've already gone on record to say that this will be a kinder, gentler, more family friendly hair. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm probably not going to notice because I'll be damned. I've seen hair multiple times and I have absolutely no flipping clue what is going on in hair most of the time. I know the music's great. But besides that, I honestly I feel like I'm on drugs watching it because I have no idea what the hell is actually going on. <laughs> All right. Well, let the sun shine in with Hades Town as they confirm their principal casting. All right. So this was 
pretty much what we anticipated and talked about. But yesterday it was confirmed that the principal stars of Hades Town's London production will be making the trip back across the pond, led by Patrick Page and Amber Gray as Hades and Persephone. Those two have been with the show since its premiere at the New York Theater Workshop off-Broadway. They'll be joined by Evil Noble Zada, Reeve Carney, and Andre DeShields, making their New York debuts as Eurydice, Orpheus, and Hermes. Obviously not their New York debuts in total, but as these parts. The show began performances on on March 22nd at the Walter Kerr Theater. The ensemble will be announced soon, James, and I would imagine that'll probably happen around the day of the first rehearsal, so in about three weeks or so. However, I did hear a rumor about someone who might be one of the fates, because there's three fates in this show. Um, I did hear a rumor that one of the fates is an actress that has been mentioned on this show for being incredibly blow blowing me away talented, and just happens to so be available right now. So uh, we've talked about that person in the past week. So put your thinking caps on there and see if you can figure out who I'm referencing, because uh, I think that would be a fantastic opportunity um, for this specific actress to uh, have a really nice, juicy role on Broadway. Hmm. Yeah, tweet at us if you have an answer. Uh, what do we have? In... Or, or email trivia at broadwayradio.com. <laughs> Don't email trivia. Michael will get mad at me. Okay. Maybe we should make a predictions, <laughs> predictions at broadwayradio.com. No, that's not a real email address yet. We could use uh, Matt at broadwaypredictions.com because I own that. Do you really? Yeah. Oh, we need to do something with that. We really need to do something with that. Okay. All, right. <laughs> All right. What's up with last week's Broadway Grosses? Well, Broadway took a dip last week following the Martin Luther King holiday weekend, so that's not to be surprised. We also saw the closing of Mike Birbiglia as the new one in School of Rock, which ended the Sunday before this week began that we're going to talk about. In total, Broadway declined 5.42%, or a little less than $2 million, to come in just under $30 million. bucks. 12 Broadway shows saw week-to-week gains, led by King Kong, actually, which increased almost one hundred and two k to come in at just about $812,000 last week. Mean Girls saw the biggest decline at $148,608, perhaps because both Ashley Park and Taylor Louderman were out for all or part of the week often overlapping there, obviously. Despite a not very nice $69,000 decline, Hamilton remained above $3 million at 3.15. However, there was more than a million dollar gap between them and the next show because no show grossed above $2 million except for Hamilton. Cursed Child was close, but was at $1.96 million, followed by The Lion King, Wicked, To Kill a Mockingbird, Frozen, Dear Evan Hansen, Aladdin, Mean Girls, The Share Show, Book of Mormon, and Network. This was the first time that Come From Away did not break $1 million since it opened, or since like one month after it, it originally opened back in the spring of 2017. So that's kind of uh, shocking to me, James, there. It did still do fairly well. It was at $963,399. Choir Boy was at the bottom of the list, but obviously with multiple extensions, MTC is comfortable with its $365,000 gross last week. And now, James, a lot of people are obviously concerned with the band's visit being the third lowest grossing show last week and the lowest musical. But despite the fact that they only brought in $541,271, there is a reason for that. They had this massive holiday sale that was like 50% off or buy one, get one free or or something like that, or maybe both around the holidays. So 
a lot of those tickets, and it was for the January and uh, like in, in into February. So I think what that what we're seeing is part of that. They are still at ninety percent capacity. So obviously that five hundred forty one thousand dollars is troubling. I do think they've got a bump coming. However, we definitely need to keep them on our watch list because um, with Katrina Link uh, reportedly leaving here in the next few months, it could be interesting to see how they go from there. The next two Let musicals. Let me ask up, you a question. Yes. Um, uh, uh, I think that I saw a poster in Times Square about, is it Broadway week? A, a two for one for the last two weeks? I think there might be a Broadway week winter promotion right happening right now. I'm not positive, but I think that I saw a poster in Times Square about that or on a subway. I think um, I think it's coming up, but I don't know. Let me let's just look here. I thought it was in February, but um, I don't know for sure. Broadway week two for one ticket sales. Um. January 21st through February 10th. So, yeah, that was the first week of it. So there you go. Yeah. Um, and also it. I heard that uh, Katrina has been out of uh, been out of base yes. visit. Yeah, she was on vacation last week as well. So that definitely played a part. But it was at 90 percent capacity. So it's not like there was oh, yeah. a ton of empty seats. Yeah. But anyway, the next two musicals on the grosses ladder are The Prom at 567,000 and Anastasia at 585,000. Both dipped a bit, five or uh, fifty to seventy-five thousand dollars, but not terribly, considering it's the dead of winter. These are family kid-focused shows or young person-focused shows, and they were coming off a holiday weekend. So, could it be worse? Absolutely. Could it be better? Definitely. But um, I'm still optimistic for the prom, and obviously, because I said I think it's closing. Not so optimistic about Anastasia. But anyway, American Sun and the Waverly Gallery ended their Broadway runs on Sunday. American Sun finished with a strong seven hundred ninety-eight thousand dollar take, and Waverly had a nice ninety k bump, up to five hundred fifty-seven thousand six hundred fifty-two bucks. Overall, James, not a great week, but like I said, could have been worse. Hmm. So, uh, all right, what do we have uh, up next? What are the news do we have? Okay, so yesterday we we still don't know exactly what cast members are going to be in the new Broadway revival of Oklahoma. But yesterday the production did confirm that it will become the first Broadway show to join the entertainment industry's gun neutral initiative. Gun neutral is a new collaborative effort to explore ways that entertainment companies, individual productions and storytellers can help solve the gun violence that claims over 100 lives every day in America. So basically how it works is that for every visible gun that is seen on stage in Oklahoma, the production will make a donation to the gun neutral 501c3 for the benefit of organizations working to destroy illegal firearms that should be out of circulation. If you happen to see this production of Oklahoma at uh, St. Anne's Warehouse, you will know that there is an entire wall of guns. Uh, so obviously, I don't know how much their donation is or if they're just making it once or if they're doing something for every performance. But uh, there is an entire wall of guns. And I, I saw some people online being like, oh, what's the big deal? It's Oklahoma. Trust me, when you see this production, you will understand why this is a very valid and conscientious step that I think is probably very well uh, worth it. 
Moving on to some other news. Uh, apparently, over the weekend, we had a reopening of My Fair Lady from Lincoln Center Theater over at the Vivian Beaumont because there's a number of new cast members, including Laura Benanti, Danny Burstein, Rosemary Harris, Christian Dante White, and Clark Thorle. These Some of these people have been in the show for a while now. Some of them are more recent, but they did do a ton of new reviews, and I'm going to have um, the review roundup in the show notes at broadwayradio.com, but I wanted to read one specifically, um, and this comes from uh, uh, Jesse Green from the New York Times. He said, quote, Upon its opening last April, it was already a plush and thrilling production, befitting Lincoln Center Theater's tradition of treating classic musicals as both spectacle and living text. While honoring Lerner and Lowe's 1956 original, the director Bartlett Shear had framed the story of Henry Higgins, the phonetician who sculpts the bedraggled flower girl Eliza Doolittle into a lady. Speaking now about this new cast, it became instead the story of Eliza Doolittle, a determined flower girl who, with the bully Henry Higgins as her chisel, sculpts herself. And I I love that. I found that loverly, no pun intended. <laughs> um, but uh, I love that. And Jesse Green goes on to talk about while he means no disrespect to Lauren Ambrose, who originated the role in this revival, to say that Miss Benanti is a more effortless vocalist. Uh, she dispatches her very well. Uh, blah, 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 goes on and on. But I it's a rave review from Jesse um, uh, uh, for this new cast, especially Laura Benanti. And I think that's pretty much across the board. Uh, so that makes me very happy. And uh, then finally, James, uh, yesterday, the New York Stage and Film Center announced its 2019 winter season. It will be begin with uh, the one night performance of Saying Goodbye to the People I Love from My Bathtub by Hallie Pfeiffer, directed by Trip Coleman. Then on Wednesday, February 6th, The Bandaged Place by Harrison David Rivers. And then on February 8th, Pictures from Home by Char White. I believe Char White was a recent guest on Stagecraft. Yes, that's correct. correct. Yeah. All right. Uh, so the pictures from home will be directed by or is by Shar White and directed by Daniela Topol. If you uh, want to get some more information about all of these shows, please check out the show notes at broadwayradio.com. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. And keep your eyes and ears on this feed. Jen Fermi Q and I will be here in the next 24-ish or 36-ish hours with our in-depth review of Rent live-ish. <laughs> and my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Tuesday with us. And Matt and I will be back and talk with you tomorrow. 